Welcome to High on the Hog with Merrill Schindler and co-hosts Joanna Belson and Janice Hardoon. This is a podcast about all things cannabis. Tune in every week as Merrill, Joanna, and Janice discuss the medical benefits of CBD and THC products with each other, as well as with informed guests from the cannabis industry and the lawmakers who regulate it. Enjoy the show. This is Merrill Schindler. This is High in the Hog, the podcast. And I'm here with Janice Hardoon and with Joanna Belson. And we're uh, in a studio across the street from The Antidote, the all-CBD superstore in Los Angeles. And we're here with Dr. Tim Shu. Uh, Dr. Tim, you are the founder and CEO of Vet CBD. And you're going to answer the question that so many people have. You give this stuff to your dog, that's okay. Your cat, they can take this stuff. No kidding. I didn't know you could do that stuff. Right, absolutely. A lot of people don't realize that animals can benefit from cannabis just like how people can. You know, animals have an endocannabinoid system, and they are able to benefit from cannabis, whether it's for pain, anxiety, inflammation, nausea, seizures, or even cancer. And it's not just dogs and cats. We've seen benefits in horses, rabbits, guinea pigs, ferrets, pigs, rats. So all vertebrate animals, including, you know, mammals, fish, birds, reptiles, amphibians, they all have endocannabinoid systems. And so they all stand to benefit from cannabis. But but without opposable thumbs, how do they hold the, the, the cigarettes? How do they <laughs> yeah. smoke it? I don't understand. Yeah. Is it all edibles? Yeah, so it's uh, oral administration is the most topical route. We definitely don't want them to be smoking or vaporizing anything. And so oral administration, whether it's through uh, treats or tinctures, is the way that we go for animals. And, you know, my dog weighs 30 pounds. I weigh, you know, a bunch more than that. (laughs) You know, do I just cut the amounts down proportionately or is there a whole other way of dealing with it? Right. So animals, they can be more sensitive to certain cannabinoids, especially THC. And so what we do is we dose it specifically for their size, their weight, their use. What is your product name? VetCBD. VetCBD. That's an important thing to get out because it's it's made specifically for the animals. Right. Is it found at dispensaries only? That is found at dispensaries because it's THC. Right. Yeah. So we do have some THC in there. Um, you know, CBD is the primary ingredient, but THC absolutely has medicinal benefits in not just people, but also animals. So we do utilize THC. And so the Vet CBD line is a regulated cannabis product. And so it's sold in licensed cannabis dispensaries in California. And okay, how you began life as a regular vet, right? Right. So I practiced in general medicine, emergency, and critical care medicine for a number of years before I started Vet CBD. So at what point did you realize this was something that was efficacious for pets, that this would work? Well, first, you know, there's a lot of studies that have looked into the potential therapeutic uses of cannabis, and those go back decades. You know, they've been doing studies on rats and mice since the 60s. And my obligation as a healthcare practitioner, I have a moral and ethical obligation to be able to seek out all potential therapeutic avenues for pet owners. And so my approach was that if cannabis offers therapeutic benefits, then as veterinarians, we need to really explore that. Even if it had no therapeutic benefit, then we need to understand that we need to find that out. So that way we can educate pet owners and help them make the most informed decisions on their pet's healthcare. 
Now, Janice, you had had experience. I mean, you had a a pup whose life you pretty much saved Correct. using um, CBD THC. That's how I got into the whole dosing for animals. Was I had a chow that developed a mole. A, I think they call him a blueberry on their interior lip, and they wanted me to cut out his whole mouth, and I was like not going to do it. And I started making him goldfish cracker because that was how I could dose him. But yeah, I'm able to manipulate the formulas into what I'm looking for better than the average Joe. But now that Dr. Shu has vet CBD on the market, it's so easy because even his syringes are made like baby syringes where you can turn the bottle upside down and take exactly the amount of milligrams you need. And if you come from the theory of less is more and you're dosing your dog at night, then you can always see where he's going and you can sort out with a little bit, see if you're treating the condition that needs to be treated. And hopefully he's going to get a restful, peaceful sleep and you're going to know how he's going to react to the THC. Now we talk about microdosing a lot here. I assume with animals you'd be really careful because you don't know how any particular breed is going to react. And I'm guessing different breeds might react differently? Well, every single animal species has the potential to have a slightly different endocannabinoid system. Um, And certainly some species of animals can be a little bit more sensitive to THC. For example, dogs, they have a higher concentration of the CB1 receptors in their cerebellum. And the cerebellum is a part of the brain that's responsible for balance, coordination, and movement. And so we have to be very careful when we use THC in dogs because if we use too much THC, then the cerebellum gets affected um, and they they have trouble with their coordination, their balance, and their movement. And so that's why dosing is so important and formulation is really important. And using something like an oral syringe that's able to accurately measure exactly how much you're giving so that you can consistently give it for the most appropriate therapeutic uh, reasons um, is something that's really crucial when it comes to using it for animals. You know, back in the day, in between... um going to Grateful Dead concerts, um, some of us would have great fun blowing some smoke in the faces of our dogs, our cats, etc., and seeing them react, you know, like like stone people, except they were, they were doggies, they were kitties. Um, we're dealing here with a much more focused use of medical cannabis, you know, as, as, a, as a healing agent, not as a, let's have a party. Right. We definitely don't want to be blowing smoke in their faces or anything like that. You know, that can be very irritating to their airways. So we never recommend doing that. And this is purely for medicinal purposes. You know, this is not recreational. You know, we are not looking to get any animals high. You know, this is purely for medicinal benefits so that that way we can improve their quality of life. And, you know, there, there are so many ailments that, that inflict critters the critters that we love. Um, you know, have you found this to be pretty much across the board as it is with humans? I mean, dogs get arthritis, for instance. Fairly common among dogs, particularly larger dogs. Um, arthritis, which I have in one knee, is helped considerably by um, a product you sell, Janice, Dolorex. I think it's just, it's a remarkable product. Um, same products, you just, can you just put it on a tube of cream, you put it on the dog, will it, will it absorb it to the skin? 
Well, in terms of skin absorption, there's not so many studies on that because uh, a lot of factors come into play. You know, what kind of carrier you're using and how well it absorbs across skin. And, you know, different species can have different absorption rates across the skin. And then the other thing is how much of that is actually getting absorbed and whether or not it has a local effect or it has a more uh, a broad systemic effect. And so there's a lot of factors that go into something that's topical. And so that's why we prefer the oral route because we can consistently measure that and we know exactly how much they're getting each time. Does it affect because they don't have pores like we have pores? No, they do. They do have pores. Uh, but, you know, some animals have thicker skin. Some animals have thinner skin. And so when you take a look at like horses, you know, they have really thick skin. Um, and then when you're looking at, say, birds, for example, they can have I really thick skin. I was wondering with all the problems they're having out at Santa Anita Racetrack, why the veterinarians out there are not using more CBD products with these horses? I think Just largely to... it's because they don't know what the problem is. They, they can't heal something, but they have no idea why this is happening. Well, I think we need to put the horses in proper pH balance to get started. Now, I have a question. Can you use CBD or THD products on all animals, like birds, snakes? Like, Just curious the breadth of animal usage. Yeah, so in terms of what we've have experience with so far is, you know, primarily dogs and cats, but we do have a lot of people use it for horses. Uh, horses have a lot of leg problems, whether it's arthritis, uh, suspensory ligament issues, but we've also had people use it for their birds for arthritis, uh, for stress and anxiety. We've had people use it for their pet pigs for anxiety, uh, people using it for ferrets for arthritis, uh, rabbits for appetite stimulation, cancer. Um, so we've used it in a number of species. Now to say uh, all species, all animals, um, we just don't have that data yet. Uh, but we know that there is the therapeutic potential there as long as they have endocannabinoid systems. And just about all the animals that have, they've looked at out there have endocannabinoid systems. They've even looked at uh, hydras, which are these tiny, tiny sea creatures. Even those guys have endocannabinoid system. Even leeches have endocannabinoid systems too. And so if they have an endocannabinoid system, there is the potential to be able to benefit from it. You know, in terms of the dosing, the formulation, a lot of that remains to be seen. So, Joanna, there's, there's hope for your pet tarantula. You know, I know, I know uh, the, the tarantula has arthritis at least one of the legs. Now, <laughs> I have a question for you, Dr. Shu. You're a doctor in veterinary medicine. Where did you become an expert on cannabis? Was that part of your schooling or how? Because I'm sure they didn't teach it. I, I don't know, actually. Do they teach it in medical school? That's a great question. And when I was going through school, they actually did not teach about the endocannabinoid system, even though we've known about the endocannabinoid system since its discovery in the early 90s. But when I was going through veterinary school, the only thing that we learned about was the potentially intoxicating effects of cannabis, of THC. We didn't touch, we didn't touch upon the endocannabinoid system uh, or cannabinoid therapeutics. When I talk to a lot of veterinarians or veterinary students, they're still not learning about that in school. Um, there are some schools that have started to touch upon it, uh, like uh, some of my contacts at UC Davis uh, are starting to talk about the endocannabinoid system. And it's a crucial component of education because um, you can imagine something like the endocrine system, which is responsible for you know producing your hormones. And if your doctor didn't know about the endocrine system or the implications of having low levels of testosterone um, or low levels of insulin, you know, compare that and contrast that to the endocannabinoid system. And that's kind of where we're at. You know, there's a lack of education in the medical profession side 
and in the medical and veterinary schools because they're not being taught that crucial information that's going to be leading to a lot of important healthcare decisions for patients. Um, now, you know, we know that our government with its its remarkably closed point of view, its medieval sense of, of, uh, of cannabis has, has really restricted a lot of research for humans. Is research restricted in the same way for animals? Yeah, it's really difficult for people that want to study cannabis and its medicinal uses because, you know, to begin with, it's a Schedule One drug, which uh, it, it supposedly has no medicinal benefits, even though we all know that that's not the case, um, especially since, uh, you know, a plant-derived CBD drug called Epidiolex was recently FDA-approved for mm-hmm. certain types of seizures. Um, you know, the uh, U.S. government has had a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants uh, since the early 2000s. And so the legal barriers make it really restrictive and really difficult for researchers that want to be able to study uh, cannabinoids. And so it makes it kind of a catch-22 is if they're not able to study it, they're not able to prove that it has medical benefits. It's the same for humans as it is for animals. Right. And so, you know, we are seeing other countries kind of pick up the slack. So in terms of uh, Europe and Israel, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of studies going on in those countries. Um, and they're kind of uh, picking up where the, the U.S. has been left behind. Can we take a second? Because not only can we use the vet CBD to help the ailments of our dogs, but can we use that as the antidote for dogs that maybe get into Joanna's cannabis or Merrill's edibles or something like that and once they get into something they shouldn't have gotten into? There's a little bit of research on that. There needs to be more research. Um, certainly, there's a lot of anecdotal cases where you know humans have said that taking CBD after ingesting too much THC really helped to kind of curb back the anxiety. And the studies say that CBD, CBD doesn't counteract the intoxicating effects of THC, but it can potentially help with some of the side effects like anxiety induced from excess amounts of THC. In your house, Janice, I'd worry about your, your pets getting into your fantastic. <laughs> your, they get goldfish. It's a good thing Riggins doesn't eat carbs, so we're good. Okay, I was going to say into your fantastic uh, CBD. Riggins is a bad CBD dog. He'll, he's been okay. the, he was the commercial. And Janice makes fantastic CBD cakes is what we're yes, referring to. Yes. Dr. Shoe's been around for many years. We, he knows about edibles for us. Just uh, in case. What was the first product that you created? The first product for, for vet CBD. Yeah, the, the first product that I created is the same one that we've been doing for the past four years, and so we've been using it in dogs and cats and you know other species as well. And it's a twenty part CBD to one part THC ratio. And you know, like I said before, we use it for a lot of different things in these guys. You know, we use it for pain, anxiety, inflammation, nausea, seizures, um, and even cancer symptoms. It's a tincture. It's a, a dog biscuit. It's a um, it's a, it's some canned dog food. What what is it? It's a tincture. It's an olive oil based tincture. And the reason why we use a tincture is so that we can make it consistent and easy for owners to dose. Now, one of the things that's dazzled me as I've discovered more and more about this world, and Janice, Joanna, you know so much about this, is the incredible degree, lengths to which people go to do research, to have labs, to make everything like, this is not something that's that's done in your kitchen. This is something that's done seriously out there. The same is true for, uh, for vet CBD. 
Yeah. So, I mean, what we do is we have a licensed manufacturer that, uh, you know, formulates in, in, a, in a world-class uh, cannabis manufacturing facility. And so, you know, the, the requirements are very, very stringent when it comes to regulated cannabis products. And in terms of uh, testing, for example, you know, that's uh, one of the most uh, highly regulated and uh, has the highest standards of testing uh, in any sort of industry uh, in regards to the California cannabis products. Okay, and are there particular flowers, buds, etc., that uh, that work very, very well, work better for pets than than not? Not so much particular flowers or strains, but what we do is we look at the cannabinoid profiles of the extracts that we pull from these strains. Because certainly one of the things uh, about strain names is that what somebody calls Ringo's Gift, uh, mm-hmm. or Ring, you know, somebody else might call ACDC. Um, and so, so a lot of times with the strain names, uh, it gets, it can get pretty confusing because, you know, one grower will call one thing something else and then, you know, somebody else calls it something else. So what we do is we look at the cannabinoid profile. We look at how much CBD is in there, how much THC. And then we also look at some of the minor cannabinoids too, because those are important players. And I'm talking about like the CBC and the CBG content. Okay. With, 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 um, CBD being sold these days in, um, jelly bellies. And at, um, at CVS outlets, supposedly, uh, is there a time I'll be able to go into Pet Bark, Petco, and, and get your stuff? Or will it always be dispensaries? Well, we are actually coming out with a hemp line. It's called Dr. Shoes Pet Care. <laughs> and that one's going to be sold outside the dispensary markets. It's going to be sold uh, wherever hemp CBD products are found, um, which is going to be through e-commerce and then non-dispensary retail outlets. And I guess I have to ask if... Um, if a human takes the pet's medicine, how does that work? It's human grade. You know, okay. the, the olive oil that we use, it's an organic extra virgin olive oil. The cannabinoid extracts that we use, um, they're all sourced from high quality farms. We test it for, you know, potency, pesticides, solvents, microbials, mycotoxins, heavy metals. You know, we go the whole nine yards to make sure that it's clean, safe material. Um, and all of it, we consider human grade, human quality. Now, my door, go ahead. I once right, interviewed for a job, and it was to work on an ad agency for dog food, and they asked me if I would eat it, and I declined. But uh, I like the fact that I wouldn't eat dog food. What are you looking at me like I'm crazy? Uh, oh, you I, would eat, you, I would try just for dog. Yeah. I would try it. I would eat uh, it. I wouldn't eat like <laughs> You wouldn't eat my dog. I'd make him here to Wahoo Rib Special. Right, but I'm saying not like your average dog food. Would you eat that? Have you, ever, have you ever ordered a can of Mary Kitchen corned beef hash ever? Um, a spam. What about a spam? I never ate spam, that. Spam, so. right. Yeah. But if Dr. Shoe anyway, said I'm it's good. your product is human grade because I Well, that would lead that. us into the question of why do we have to choose fat CBD that's 20 to 1 over, say, another tincture that's 20 to 1 that, say, was made for children? Right. So first, you know, what we do is we make sure that the ingredients are all pet safe. There's a lot of things out there that are safe for human consumption, but are potentially dangerous so that people... for pets. Yeah, you know, the most the most common one that people know of is chocolate. You know, humans love chocolate, but chocolate is very dangerous for animals. And there are also other ingredients that uh, are safe for people, but, you know, not so safe for animals. Say like an alcohol-based tincture, would that be not good for a dog? Right, so we don't want to use alcohol for these guys. And so that's why we use an olive oil-based Olive oil with any kind of oil, like a, a coconut oil or sapphire oil or any of these other avenues that they're using to 
to bring the cannabis through the blood cells. Right. And so the reason why we use olive oil is just because it's a tried and true oil. It has a lot of noted health benefits and it's safe across animal species. Okay. Okay. Now I have a much loved labradoodle named George and um, uh, George is 13 and is in, knock on wood, wonderful shape, uh, but he has a heart murmur. And so George will probably be on vet medin for the rest of his, his life. Is there um, a CBD, THC equivalent to that, or is that just the specific drug he needs for, for a heart murmur? Right, and so this is something that comes up a lot is when people think that cannabis can be used for absolutely anything and everything. You know, while cannabis has a lot of therapeutic benefits and can be used for a lot of different conditions, we always make sure that people understand that it's an additional tool in the toolbox. There are a lot of traditional pharmaceuticals that are going to be much better suited for certain conditions. Um, you know, we never want people to think that cannabis is a panacea or a cure-all. It is very, very good at doing certain things, um, but it is not the end-all, be-all. There are certain things where traditional pharmaceuticals are going to be much better suited. You know, there, there is, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think unfortunately, a world of people out there who want their their pets live their lifestyle. So, for instance, you hear tales of vegans insisting that their animals live a vegan lifestyle. And that doesn't always work. In fact, particularly for cats, it really doesn't work. Um, it's also sometimes it doesn't work for children. So, it's, you know, we have to recognize they ain't the same critter as we are. The well, everyone, the even the pet, has a different metabolism and, like Dr. Chu said, different skin types. So everything is always going to be unique to that animal. And yeah. you're going to want it, no matter how you dose it, you're always going to want to keep an eye on your dog or your cat or whomever you're administering the, the cannabis to. I mean, I know that over the years I've, I've found that George was picky in his eating. Um, you know, mostly it's dog food dry, not, not, not wet, because that, that gives him problems. But otherwise, I always put in some Ralph's rotisserie chicken, you know, because he likes the Ralph's rotisserie chicken, and it seems to be, except it's, there's, there's a bit more sodium in it than I'd like. It's have the low-sodium brand. You have, to get there, you have to get there early to get the low-sodium one. Oh, it disappears, I know. Or write know. a letter to Ralph and let him know his rotisserie chicken is salty. Uh, actually, to, to, to not get off the topic too much, but I spent quite a bit of time talking to people at Ralph's trying to discover what the sodium level is, low sodium versus versus sodium. Good they luck with no that. They have no idea. They have no, none of them have any idea. And that includes have you like, at When you look at nutrition facts, how hard is it for now in today's world? What did you go through to get vet CBD to the shelves with all the nutrition facts through compliance, through batch numbers? I mean, Dr. Shu knows all these things. Oh, too well. Yeah, and, you know, it's uh, the California cannabis industry, like I said, is one of the most highly regulated industries. Uh, the testing standards are some of the highest out there, uh, even more so than when we compare it to a lot of our food products that we eat every day. And so it's, uh, it's a very interesting industry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, going back to, to your comment, um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be able to, to get the information that you want, even from our normal food products. However, you know, I mean, compared to uh, some states out there that are living in the dark ages, at least here it's regulated, but it exists. Um, you know, in, in, there are other places in the country where you want 
You want something, you get it from the government farm down in Mississippi from that one plant. Or you, or you get it from a guy. <laughs> Everybody knows a guy. Well, can you get your products? So say I'm in middle America, how do they access your brands and everything? So for the Vet CBD line, because it's a cannabis brand, it's only sold through the regulated cannabis market. But for our hemp line that's coming out, that'll be available through e-commerce, so our website. Uh, and then we're also going to have it available in non-dispensary retail outlets. Such as the Antidote. <laughs> On Melrose in Los Angeles, the uh, CBD Superstore. We can do a little dog party, and George can attend. And- well, we've done. I've done in connection with Dr. Shu. We've done dog rescues. We had mm-hmm. pet adoptions, and we actually got. I think we had five puppies. We had three out of five were were rescued that day. Yeah, you know, one of the amazing things uh, about working in the cannabis industry is that it's full of compassionate people. It's full of animal lovers. And so there's just no better industry than the cannabis industry if you're looking to find good people that are compassionate uh, and that want to do what's right and what's do what's best for the world. Uh, where do you see all this going? You know, I, we, we know where for, for human consumption things Every time you turn around, there's something new out there. There's some new direction. There's some new option. Janice carries, you know, in your store. It's 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 endlessly new and interesting to go in there. Um, your your products right now are pretty limited. Am I correct? Well, we have a tried and true formulation, and so what we do is instead of spreading ourselves thin, you know, we want to stick to our core competencies. We want to know what works well. Um, so rather than putting out a bunch of products out there that we're not sure how well it works, we want to be able to have owners rely on products that they know that are going to work well for them. And going back to your question earlier, you know, this area of science and medicine is really just getting started. We're still in the really, really early stages of it. You know, the endocannabinoid system being only discovered in the early 90s, you know, we're still learning about the different phytocannabinoids. You know, everybody talks about CBD and about THC. But really, there's a lot of other cannabinoids out there that show therapeutic potential, like CBC, CBG, CBN, uh, CBN, THCV, THCV, wow. CBDV, even the acid forms of the cannabinoids like THCA and CBDA prior to them getting decarboxylated. There's a lot of therapeutic potential there. And so in terms of certain diseases like cancer, for example, we're just starting to scratch the surface. And cancer is a really, really tricky one because we have seen a number of cases benefit from using cannabis for cancer. But in terms of exactly what dose, exactly what ratio, exactly what formulation and which cannabinoid should be in there. Um, and then you compare and contrast that with the number of different cancers that we typically deal with. You know, there could be hundreds of different types of cancers. Now you're talking about the potential of hundreds of thousands of different permutations. And so in terms of diseases like cancer and cannabis, we're really just getting started with that. You know, we often talk here about a, a movie with a terrible name. It's Weed the People, which is basically a case study of four children, pediatric cancer. And um, the cancers were um, reversed in three of the four cases through the use of cannabis, which is a pretty good ratio. So, you know, we anecdotally at least we'd like to believe it all works i think anecdotally you probably have more than a few anecdotes of dogs you you certainly have have your your pooch and you can't you know, uh, there's no cure but if we can slow the growth of cancer cells or grow even benign cells if we can do things to help with their anxiety and give them a better way of life 
then we've done our job. Right, exactly. You know, it's really about quality of life. We know that this uh, experience that we all call life is a temporary experience. And unfortunately for our animals, it tends to be a shorter experience. You know, um, a lot of dogs, uh, their average lifespan may be only 10 or 12 years. And so if we're able to buy them an additional six months or an additional year, you know, that's a 10% of their lifespan. And that's a significant amount. And so we have seen a lot of patients extend their lifespans, you know, patients that were initially given a diagnosis of only maybe days or weeks to live. Um, you know, they live for months out or even up to a year in some cases. Yeah, I, I mean, I had a, um, a wonderful German shepherd named Jed years ago who came down with, uh, with, with a, a cancer. I don't know specifically what the cancer was, but it was a, it was a cancer, lumps all over him. And um, there's a, a veterinary oncology center in town which I would take him to, and the drugs they used were people drugs. And the sickness he would have afterwards were people sickness. And it was like, well, I gave him an extra few months, but at what cost to his well-being? You know, I mean, the, the dog never seemed real happy after uh, after the infusion. Um, you know, I got a feeling he just went, went through his days sick, as do many people. Right. Quality of life is something that's really, really important. And we see a lot of pet owners, you know, they, they have a conflict with themselves over that. You know, there's, a, you know there, there's the potential for extending that lifespan, you know, undergoing certain treatments. Um, but at what cost? You know, there are potential side effects to a lot of these treatments, you know, whether it's uh, sedation, uh, lethargy, discomfort. Um, you know, we see it in uh, other things like seizures and epilepsy, for example. You know, a lot of the commonly used anti-seizure drugs can cause things like sedation and lethargy. And a lot of owners don't feel comfortable uh, with that because it, they feel it decreases their pet's quality of life. And in cannabis, the remarkable thing about cannabis is that when it's dosed and formulated properly, it's remarkably safe. And so that's what, one of the many reasons why a lot of pet owners are turning towards cannabis because when it's dosed and formulated properly is that not only is it effective, but it has an excellent safety profile with a lack of side effects. And that is a great note, great end note. Uh, Dr. Tim Shu, thank you so very much from Vet CBD. You're doing wonderful work out there for our most beloved critters. Thank you for we, having me. We do, we do love them. This is Meryl Schiffer with Janice Hardoon, with Joanna Belson, with Philip Giangrande here on Eye and the Hog, the podcast, where we're endlessly amazed by what cannabis can do. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We'll catch you next time, guys. <laughs> we'll catch you next time.